Good evening, Sangha. Welcome, welcome to Spirit Rock. Really happy that you're all here to immerse in an Awaken the Wild Meditation in Nature retreat. Um, these are my favorite retreats to teach. I teach a lot of different things. I teach a lot of retreats, but my favorite things to teach are uh, Awaken the Wild, where we immerse ourselves in nature with a contemplative awareness, contemplative presence, and see what there is to be discovered, and see what nature has to share with us and to teach us, and show us, and reveal to us many things about ourselves and life and uh, our own nature and the nature of nature itself. So my name is Mark Coleman um, and um, I'm Spirit Rock teacher. For those of you who don't know me, I've been connected to Spirit Rock teaching here the last <clears throat> 20 years or so and originally from England. Um, and uh, been exploring these meditation uh, in nature practices for a long time. Um, I regard nature as my uh, home and teacher and temple and these things as aberrations, these roofs and walls and <laughs> they come in handy when it's hot and cold and rainy and all the rest of it and snowing and but um, you know, my body feels much happier as it does I'm sure yours does a lot of the time outside. So, um, um, yeah, so I'll be sharing more about myself as we go through the retreat. Um, but mostly just very happy to be here. and very happy to be here with friend and colleague James. Would you like to introduce yourself? <coughs> Hi. Uh, my name is James, James Lowe. I am from Vancouver, Canada, and I am very happy to be here, so I want to thank you, Mark, for having me here. Um, I am a teacher in training, yay, um, and uh, um, I'm kind of thrilled to be outside, and I think there, for me personally, there's been all these practices that I've been doing outside that were Dharma practices. Um, they're just natural inborn things that I think that's part of who we are. And so I'm really excited to um, bring them together with formal Dharma practice. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. So I can add to James' uh, biography, he's a long-term meditator, he's a therapist, and been sharing uh, meditation practices in Vancouver, um, different places, and um, so very happy to have his support on the retreat. Um, <clears throat> so, who are you and why are you here? <laughs> I always need to know that. So, um, how many of you uh, from north of the border. How many Canadians do we have here? One, two, three, four, great. 
how many people from uh, elsewhere, a different country than uh, the States, outside of the States, aside from Canada? Anyone further afield? From Australia. Australia, yeah. Anybody else? We're at the East Coast. Any East Coasters? Okay, welcome. Um, and south of the border, anyone? No. Uh, who's from California here, or living in California? Okay, most of you. Okay. And um, uh, how many of you meditate outside on a regularish basis? Have some kind of meditation, spiritual practice outside? Oh, so some of you. Mm. All right. And how many of you knew? How, how many of you have done residential retreats at Spirit Rock before? Okay. Probably most of those, I imagine, are indoors. How many of you have done a, a, an awake in the wild or a meditation in nature retreat outside? I recognize some of you. Some faces. Okay. Great. So that's where you're from, and so I also want to know why you're here, um, and so how we'll do that. Um, I'm going to have you, uh, since we're going to be going into silence, uh, as from after this evening, hope you all know this is a silent retreat. There's something very beautiful about being in silence in community, particularly outside. It's the doorway for me to deep connection and sensitivity and listening an attunement to the natural world and to ourselves. So it's beautiful that we enter into this in silence together. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to invite you to just turn to one or two people next to you, so ideally in groups of three, um, and just introduce yourselves and uh, why you're here. What draws you to meditation in nature at this time? In just, you know, a few sentences... A minute. We'll take like three minutes for the whole thing. So just introduce yourself. Why are you here? What draws you at this time to this retreat? Okay, so turn around. Look who's around you. Groups of twos or threes.
So winding up your conversations. Coming back to your seat. So anybody like to just shout out in a word or two or a sentence? What brings you to retreat today? Or what are you hoping to touch here? It could be a word, two words, a sentence or two. Supporting my dad is on the death and dying one. Supporting your dad. I'm happy to be here. Don't get me Great. Yeah. Supporting your dad on the death and dying retreat. Great. 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 Unplug and reconnect. Yes. Unplug and reconnect to nature. Anybody want to unplug here, get away from devices, technology, and all of that stuff and come back to something more organic? Yes, very much so. What else? Nice. Rediscover a more natural existence with the world around you. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Get grounded in the ground. Get grounded in the ground, right. Yes, put our hands on the earth. Yeah, nice. Beautiful. Watch for little signs. Uh huh. Watch for signs, right. Nature is a beautiful mirror for uh, many things to teach us. See if it was possible to do it outside. Right, curious. Yeah, and what's that like? So you, you've you've meditated indoors. Once. Once. I mean, like, once a retreat. Oh, I see. Right. Yes, I know. The 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 the, um, the outdoor practice gets a little looked down upon by some as like you know inferior practice. Yeah. Well, you'll just show them right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, please. Uh huh. Yes. Right. Where they intersect when making the, the the interconnections between the nature and the dharma. Of course, the dharma is natural, natural, natural law, and the the dharma is revealed for sure in nature and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Please. Mm. Right, right. So feeling the struggle of meditation indoors and wanting to find the naturalness as as we can feel when we're outdoors. It's more effortless. Please. Deeper embodiment of being embedded in nature. Yeah, yeah. Which definitely comes as we spend more time outside. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm more accepting of those things I can't control in nature. Mm. The heat, mosquitoes, right. storms. Yes. So, right. So being more accepting, developing equanimity, right? So nature's a great teacher for that, right? It's out of our control, big time. And so we 
either surrender and flow or we suffer. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> yes, please. For me, every retreat is just an opportunity to kind of reinvigorate my regular practice. Uh-huh. Right, right. So reinvigorating your practice and feeling that sense of natural connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please. Yes, yes. So thank you for presencing that. So celebrating nature in the presence of uh, grief around climate, uh, the climate emergency. Yeah. And it's very important, that, and that's a big part of my work, is to uh, you know, support people connecting with nature and, and the love and the, the joy that comes from that in the face of the climate crisis and how important it is to keep touching our hand to the earth and feeling that love and the grief and everything in between that comes out of that um, and it's very easy to be weighed down by the the data and the you know the degradation and um, the loss and um, but it's it's essential that we keep also attuning to what's here the beauty the joy um, spring summer uh, birds I we're staying in this cabin down the road um, and there's I, I was here teaching the last couple of months and last month I was here the swallows were building their spittle nests the barn swallows and this this month they're now the, the pair are, you know I have I can't see if if the eggs have hatched I don't think they have um, and you know life continues right and um, Really important. Thank you. So yeah, so we'll we'll um, touch on many of those themes and um, uh, explore um, what it means to meditate, what it means to cultivate mindful awareness, what it means to cultivate meditation outdoors, um, and what it is to. Um, to understand the, the, the wisdom teachings of the Buddha and, and the wisdom traditions in general, um, you know, what insights and understandings about life and reality and ourselves we can touch, we can discover through um, nature practice. So um, there's, a, there's a quote, I always quote this at the beginning of retreats from, I, I found it on a, it was toilet graffiti in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in an outhouse at 9,000 feet in a wilderness center that I go to that I love. And it says, um, what in your life is calling you when all the noise is silenced, the meetings are adjourned, the lists are laid aside, and the wild iris blooms by itself in the dark forest? What still pulls on your soul? Deep inside your heart lies a summons, name it if you must, or leave it forever nameless, but why pretend it is not there? So, as we come on retreat, 
uh, one of the things that happens is we get the pleasure and the luxury and the joy of slowing down, of un, of uh, unplugging from a digital life, um, unplugging from our responsibilities and duties and you know concerns that can often fill our mind in our days, and we get to slow down. Anybody rushing, busy here? Anybody have a lot going on? <laughs> Not enough time, you know, how the story is. Too many emails, whatever, too many projects, right? So for this week, we can let that go in a very luxurious way. This is like a spa for the mind, a spa for the soul, right? You're not getting pampered with massages and, you know, whatever else you might get at a spa, but it, but it is for the soul to just unplug, unhook from that doing busyness and um, really take a collective out-breath, right? And, and the biggest out-breath comes today when you, you, know, you finally shut down your phone and you close the lid of your laptop and you say goodbye to whoever you're in contact with and then we get to, okay, I sent whatever emails I did or didn't send, whatever messages, projects, like, okay, it's done, okay? And I just have to now breathe, let it go, and settle, right? And it will take a day or two to settle. You know, we, we arrive here, especially for some of you who've flown a long way, we arrive here, and then, but we're not really here, right? Well, after a couple of days, we realize, oh, I thought I was here, but I actually really wasn't here. I was sort of in a numb, foggy, haze, glaze. So, um, yeah, so it takes a little while to settle. And then as we settle, just like, we you know, shaking up, you know, if this glass was filled with mud and water, and then, it, you know, over time, the, the mud settles. And, you know, over time, the mind starts to calm a little, quieten a little, gather a little. Um, and we start to attune a little more sensitively to our inner and outer landscape, and um, we start to see a little more clearly, start a little more deeply into life, into the truth, into ourselves, into what's important. And then we contact what John O'Donohue talks about the mystery, great Irish poet. He says, the mystery never leaves you alone. Behind your image, below your words, below your thoughts, the silence of another world waits. A world lives within you. No one else can bring you news of this inner world. No one else can bring you news of this inner world. Not your devices, not your beloveds, Right. This, we come into retreat to, even though we're in a nature retreat where our attention is partly turned outwards, we also come to retreat to turn the lens of attention inwards, to study, to look a little more intimately our own minds and hearts. Because if we're honest, you know, often with the busyness and the pace and the responsibilities of our life, we don't, we're not tending here so much. We often feel, it's one of the things that I notice sometimes when I go on retreat, is that there's an initial wave of grief or sadness that I've been so disconnected from myself, or so disconnected from what's important. 
rhythms, connection. People talked about it, grounding, rootedness, interconnection, right? Heart, love, tenderness, sensitivity, vulnerability, right? A lot of that stuff gets sort of little, you know, pushed to the side uh, for the sake of functioning and busyness and doing and achieving and And the, we have the pleasure of exploring that. So we have all of that we would normally have on a meditation retreat that you would have here at Spirit Rock. Silence, stillness. Um, but we get to do that in the grace of the natural world. So we'll be sitting. Um, I went back and forth. I was telling James uh, about whether we should start the retreat up the hill, which is where we're going to be spending most of our time tonight, but just various logistical reasons, it's kind of easier to start here and then we'll orient you in the morning once you're sort of settled and got your bearings and got your stuff together and um, we'll be sitting in a beautiful meadow, it's called Hermitage Meadow, is where we were going to build a hermitage uh, center and um, uh, and someone spoke to it about, um, you know, when I first started meditating outside and then doing my own personal retreats outside and then leading people on retreats outside, people, uh, my colleagues, my meditation teaching colleagues, for the most part, sort of looked down their noses a little bit at like, oh, that's Mark's nature thing. He likes to go outside with the, you know, the swallows and the trees and, you know, but it's not real practice. Real practice is being inside and suffering and, you know, concentrating and working hard and, you know. <laughs> And um, uh, in that, over the time, you know, there's a certain uh, educating people and there's a certain uh, growing openness to seeing that, you know, and as I would remind people, uh, you might remember, well, you might remember, but the Buddha actually uh, <laughs> meditated outside in the forest. In fact, he got enlightened under a tree and he died under a tree and he spent 45 years practicing, meditating, teaching his monks and nuns in the forest. And after he'd give a teaching, he'd say, there are trees and there are the roots of trees. Go sit there, meditate, lest you regret it later. Like, don't go and find an AC, an air-conditioned cabin. No, go to the woods, right? There's something powerful. You sit with a tree like you're sitting with an elder. It's beautiful, powerful. So, and that tradition, of course, as you know, has been carried on in, in um, you know, Japanese hermits and Chan monks up in the mountains and uh, mystics up in the Himalayas and in the, in the Tibetan caves and... Uh, the Thai forest tradition, which Spirit Rock is very much in the lineage of, and in Burma, like so many monks, uh, so many monasteries, temples, hermitages, places of worship, sacred places, right? They're in nature for a reason, right? It's where we contact the sacred, where we feel a sense of presence, something bigger than ourselves. And we long for that, especially in our sort of self-centered digital social media lives, like something deeper and bigger than, you know, my latest Instagram post and how many likes I got, you know. So, so we really are, um, you know, sitting in the lineage of, of, 
of the Dharma, you know, of the Buddha's teaching, and and um, you know, I think the Buddha. You can see from the from the way he talks about nature in the in the text, beautiful, deep understanding of nature, rhythms, cycles. Um, so much beautiful poetry in the tradition from mystics and hermits, and I'll be sharing some of that. And the reason I started uh, leading retreats out in, in nature is because I realized I came to the States, fell in love with the wilderness, and realized how profound it was to be outdoors in, 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 the, in the wild, and how much of the teachings that we pr- study and learn and, and try to see in meditation, in these meditation halls, they're often much more accessible, much more available, much more relatable outside. And the nature is nothing but wisdom. It's beauty, it's joy, but it's also just wisdom teachings of the, the way of the way of the way of life. You know, Dharma is the natural law, the way of nature. It's a line from the writer Kabir, he said when the eyes and the ears are awake, even the leaves on the trees read like pages from the scriptures. When the eyes and the ears are awake, which means when we're present, when we're mindful, right? This is the beautiful thing about this, uh, this journey, this awake in the wild meditation nature journey. When we integrate mindfulness into nature, then the eyes and the ears are awake and the leaves on the trees read like pages from the scriptures. They wake us up. It's, it's going to be transcendent. So we do this how? Through slowing down, through cultivating mindfulness, this beautiful innate quality of attention that we cultivate and train through meditation, through intention, through focus, through various kinds of meditation practices. And so we'll be exploring mindfulness in many different ways, sitting, standing, walking, meandering. Uh, and on nature retreats, there's a particular emphasis on uh, awareness of the senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, um, and using the body, as we do in mindfulness practice in general, but even more so outside because the senses are awake. The body is awakened when we're outside. So, um, so we'll be, I'll be tuning our attention a lot to the body, to embodiment, to sensory awareness. Um, there's usually, and it's usually much easier to stay present outside because there's more stimuli. Indoors, we've just got... Uh, you know, whatever we're focusing on, like the breath and then our crazy mind. And there's not a lot of stimuli, there's not a lot of else competing. When we're outside, there's birds and breeze and wind and sounds and crickets and all kinds of things. So, I don't know, some of you may have come early and, and saw the earlier schedule. The, the latest schedule, which has just been posted, is very simple. It just says morning session, afternoon session, and a little bit of stuff in the evening. But basically, it's a whole lot of doing nothing except being present in nature. And the main instruction is pay attention 
when you drift from here, come back, resume. Okay, off you go to the woods for well. Tell me how it goes on Saturday. Um, what's always interesting to me, and I always forget this, I pretty much forget this every single time I lead a nature retreat, is when I'm thinking about the nature retreat, I'm thinking about nature. And, but when we actually come to the retreat and we realize we have to deal with our minds, we realize, oh, I actually need to focus quite a little, lot on, on training the mind, training the mind so we can be present to the profundity of nature and reality. So another flavor of nature meditation practice is uh, how it touches the heart. And our hearts, I would say, have much more range when we're outdoors because there's more beauty and there's more joy. Right? So don't be surprised if there's a lot of joy on this retreat. You know, sometimes we have this view that spiritual practice should be serious and arduous and hard. And if it's not hard, somehow it's with you doing it wrong. You know, like medicine should be better, you know. Well, that can be one way. It can also be joyful. It can be delightful. It can be heart open. It can be expansive. It can be beautiful and connecting and delightful. You know, when our hearts are open and we're connected, you know, when there's pleasure and beauty and joy, right, we become engaged, we, we're attuned, we, we get, it takes our attention. You know, I like to joke that when we're in places as beautiful as Spirit Rock is, we've had, you know, we've had a lot of rain this year, so the grasses are very full and there's still flowers here. And um, why wouldn't you want to be present? You know, I was just visiting a friend in her cubicle at work. And I was like, yeah, I can see why you might want to check out sometimes. <laughs> right? But out here, you know, the breeze and the grasses and the light and the smells. Like, oh, why wouldn't I want to be here? Even though there'll be many times when you're here when, and you're back at work. Even though you spent last week at work thinking you would be thinking about here. Right? We just do that because we're a little crazy. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, just to, to suggest, and sometimes for us, you know, in, in, in relationship to the, the, the question about the climate crisis, sometimes uh, it's hard, as hard for us to open to joy as it is to open to pain. Sometimes it's just not familiar to be feeling expansive or joy or ecstatic or delight or love connection. Right? Sometimes that's harder to really dwell in and, and savor. Right? So I really invite you to, you know, when you see something that touches you, the, the lichen on, on, the, on the oak trees or the swaying grasses or the deer, there was one deer just walked past behind you here, um, or the swallows in flight, just pause and just, just soak it in and just soak in the beauty or the connection or the love or the delight. Right? This is a, it's a beautiful thing to have the time to savor. This is from Mary Oliver. So I'll be sharing a lot of poetry uh, through the week. Um, poetry is often a way better way of pointing to some of these deeper things. And uh, I think of Mary Oliver as nature's poet laureate. Uh, nature didn't get to vote, but I'm voting on her behalf. 
Um, this is called The Roses. One day in summer when everything has already been more than enough, the wild beds look, sorry, I can barely see this. I don't have enough light. The wild beds start exploding open along the berm, along the berm of the sea day after day. You sit near them day after day. The honey keeps on coming in the red cups and the bees like amber drops roll in the petals. There is no end, believe me, in the inventions of summer to the happiness your body is willing to bear. There is no, believe me, in the Believe me, there is no end to the inventions of summer, to the happiness your body is willing to bear. So what is your body willing to bear? Right? When you're watching a, a bee nuzzle into uh, the blossom of a flower. And lastly, the, 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 the fruit of this practice, or really the, the deeper intention of this practice, is to cultivate insight, to cultivate understanding. Right? That line from Thoreau, on reflecting on his time on Walden, when he was in Walden, where he said, I went to the woods to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, to see what they had to teach, and, dis- and, to, dis- and, not, and to discover not and, and to not to discover when it came to die that I had not truly lived. I went to the woods to, de- to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, to see what they had to teach. Right. So we come to nature, we come to retreat, to see what it has to teach us. What is there for us to learn about ourselves, about life, about reality? And we can understand many, many things, and I'll be pointing to them as will James through the retreat. Um, yeah, wisdom is, is just full of teachings. And so some of the supports we have for this, we have silence, James is going to talk about that in a minute. We have community, we have sangha. A couple of things, that are two or three qualities I think are really important to remember. You'll forget them, but I'll remind you anyway. Please be patient with yourselves. It takes a while to arrive. It takes a while to gather and unify the mind. It takes a while to, for the body to slow down and feel at ease. So please be patient. Know what your expectations are of the retreat and then leave them in your shoes at the door. Right? Let the retreat be what it's going to be. You might have all kinds of plans. I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to make this big life decision. I'm going to have this experience like I did last time. Well, maybe... And maybe that's not what your retreat's about at all. And we never really know what our retreat's about till we get here and we see what wants to arise out of the confluence of conditions that are here. And most of all, be curious. Be curious. What is this? What is, the, what is this moment? What is this breath? What is this sound, this life, this, this preciousness of being human? And finally, my last, last thing, um, teaching that I received from a Tibetan teacher who uh, I think is a beautiful frame for retreat. He said, when you're on retreat, cult practice outer discipline but inner spaciousness. 
out of discipline in a spaciousness. Which means, um, you know, you follow the form, you come to the practice, you do the practice, you commit to the silence uh, and, and all of that. But you do it inwardly with lightness, with spaciousness, right? Not with grimness. It's not about being dour. It's not about being serious. We might look serious because when we go into silence, you know, our face relaxes. We're not sort of every two minutes like, hey, hey. no, we're just, we're just being with ourselves. We're often maybe looking down or looking at nature. And so there's not that usual sort of uplift that comes from social connection. So but it's not about being serious. We're cultivating enlightenment, right? Lightening up ourselves, our load, our burdens. Um, so, um, out of discipline, inner spaciousness. So, I'm very excited to be here, very excited to be with you all, and look forward to getting to know you on this retreat. So, thank you. Uh, James is going to share some words. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> the container to a certain degree, um, but I want to, I'm reflecting on um, the gratitude of my teachers who encouraged me to, to sit outside. Um, I started meditating on retreats in 2005, and um, there's a small island off the coast of British Columbia called Cortez Island, and there's a retreat center there. And um, I spent many, many, many mornings watching the sunrise and just trying to feel the ripples of the water. Um, and my teachers, my main teachers for my practice, um, Michelle McDonald and Steve Smith, really encouraged me into to just stay out there, to stay out there. One of the benefits was that um, I would do walking meditation on logs that had washed up along the shore, and I just walk back and forth, back and forth. And I remember um, spending that much time in nature. Um, there'd be parts of a log that you know there'd be a bunch of bees coming in and out, and I would stop. And I would give that part of the log back to the bees to not disturb them, to not harm them. And so I want to talk a little bit about the precepts and, and um, sort of the, the outer discipline that we need. As we open up to our inner world, um, things can get pretty crazy, pretty wild. And sometimes we need to really explore all the inner experiences that happen. But in the real world, we also need to pay attention to what's happening around us. And so the precepts are sort of like sila or the, the discipline that we try to cultivate. Um, and the first one is non-harming. Uh, part of my day job, so I'm a counselor, psychotherapist, I also teach um, people in healthcare. And um, one of the first uh, principles for these people I work, who I teach, in healthcare is to do no harm. And they kind of take that as sort of a, a regulation. But I often stop and just ask them to reflect, to do no harm, like to do no harm. Our society is um, kind of harsh. 
you know, we drove here on a highway, and the highways are pavement that's hard and laid down straight, and it cuts through nature. And this is an opportunity for us in, to take the first precept of to try to do no harm. So that includes, you know, we're going to be outside with so many living beings. And just to be conscious of our intention to do no harm, to be careful. And cultivating this in our lives, I think that's a fantastic challenge. The second uh, precept that um, I'll invite you to take is um, to not take that which is not given to you freely. Um, so stealing, in other, in other words. Um, if we only take that which is offered to us, then we can settle down and relax. If we are always on guard, um, we're destabilized, we're anxious. And so here at this retreat, we want to be able to drop into the calm and to the ease. And so we all endeavor to only take that which has been offered to us. And so just reflect on a moment of what that can feel like to finally be at ease and not to be worried. The third precept is celibacy, um, to refrain from sexual activity. And that's to just kind of drop into your own energies, to your own sense of self, and not worry about other people, but just coming back to your own sense of feelings and how they rise and fall within us. The fourth one is refrain from intoxicants. So um, if you are taking prescribed medications, we encourage you to continue to take those medications. Um, But typically, the intoxicants and why we would want to refrain from them is because we're going to spend so much time cultivating our mind, cultivating a relationship the way we think, to be in harmony with it. And so sometimes if we infuse our minds with intoxicants, it starts to cloud the way we relate to our thoughts and our feelings. And so here, we endeavor to refrain from intoxicants and to give our minds a chance to sort of settle in and expand. The fifth precept is a lovely one. It's silence. And so we enter into silence, noble silence, um, out of kind respect for everyone around us. We want to give others the opportunity to stay within and not be distracted and to care for someone else's practice is to let them have that space. And so just reflecting on stepping into silence and giving people permission to be quiet, so different than our everyday life. 
So taking on the training to not harm. Taking on the training to only take that which is given to you. Taking on the training to manage your sexual energies. Taking on this challenge to avoid intoxicants. And taking on this wish to be quiet and to preserve the silence for other people. Those are the precepts, the framework for our practice. And before we end, I want to talk about taking refuge, the three refuges. And so we take refuge in the Buddha, we take refuge in the Dhamma, and we take refuge in the Sangha. And so if we break this down a little bit and be very intentional, so we take refuge in the Buddha, in the spirit of the Buddha, that there was this person who defined this path for us, that there is a way to be connected to the world around us in a way in which we have care for it, in a way in which we have harmony for it, in a pathway that we understand that we are just a small part in the whole universe. We are part of it, and we love that part that we play in, but we see the bigger whole. And being able to get to that place, as outlined by the Buddha, so we take refuge, we return to that idea that spirit. And then we take refuge in the Dhamma. This is the teachings of the Buddha. And it includes all of the monks and the nuns over hundreds of years and all of the teachers who have refined and practiced and dedicated their lives to this approach and who are able to outline or describe or lead all of us in different ways. So when we take refuge in the Dhamma, we take refuge in the teachings. They are so refined. I'm a counselor by training, but my first degree was in um, political science. And so I've done a lot of thinking, thinking about systems, thought systems, systems that guide our society, systems that guide um, our individual choices, our families. And the Dhamma, for me, is just so sublime. And so when we enter into a retreat, especially the first three days, it can get kind of rough because we're not used to slowing down. But then taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in the Dhamma, trusting that the teachings are there. And finally, we take refuge in the Sangha. 
And the Sangha is a community of like-minded people. Sometimes when I start a meditation retreat and I realize, oh my God, I've just gone into silence, um, sometimes I get really scared. I get really scared because it can get really lonely. You know, and you're trapped in there with like you yourself and just you. And like, oh my God, it can be really terrifying. But Sangha means the people who are here with you and, uh, and have taken the same steps. So you are in silence and you're not communicating. But they are with you. They are freely choosing the same path as you. And in that, we take refuge with like-minded people. The Sangha is what supports us. And for us this week, the Sangha includes nature. So being in harmony, caring, and taking refuge. So you've all been sitting for a while, so how about you just, uh, we'll take a moment to stretch and and, uh, stand, and we're going to sit, you know, for not so long, 10, 15 minutes, just to drop in a little bit together, but whatever you need to do to move, stretch. So making your way back to your seat. So a couple of logistical questions for you before we sit. Um, How many of you will be or would like to be sitting on chairs up in the meadow? So I'm assuming all the people in chairs now. No. Okay. So raise your hand if you would 
will or maybe at least some of the time like a chair. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Good, we're covered. There's twenty-five um, going to be it. So, uh, so tonight we're in here. Tomorrow morning, the very first set, we're going to be in here just for ease of logistical uh, organization. And then um, that's the 6.30 sit. Uh, and then after breakfast, the first sit of the, 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 the morning period will be up the hill. So um, we have the meditation hall here, and then we have the dormitories, Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upeka, uh, the council house. And at the end of that little row of houses, the, the little tarmac road dead ends, and there, did Ramon explain this already? No. no. There, there will be a collection of chairs and zabatons, these are the mats, and zafirs, the cushions. Um, and so, as we walk up, so I'm going to suggest that you start making your way up the hill about hmm, 8.40, 8.45, go to the end of the road, pick up either a chair, if you would like a chair, or a zabaton, or a cushion, um, or both, uh, if there's enough. Um, and if you need help, we can also have just some, we can take extras up um, as needed. Um, and then we'll walk up the, uh, you walk up the, see, and you walk up the little trail, goes up for a few minutes and then you'll come across a wooden, round wooden platform. Some of you will know what I mean. And at the wooden platform, you keep walking straight. Uh, not, you don't go left, you go straight and you walk a few more minutes and you'll come to a meadow. There's only one trail, so it's very obvious you won't get lost. Um, and um, where the, the, the meadow has already been prepared, there's um, tops on the ground, so we'll be sitting on canvas tops, um, just a little protection from critters, and um, there's a sound system up there, and, um, and we'll be sitting in the shade for the most part. Um, we're slightly chasing shade, but we will have two locations, one in the morning where there's shade, and then one in the afternoon where there's shade. Um, so, uh, and we'll spend all morning up there, we'll come down for lunch and work meditation, rest, whatever you need to do down here. And then 2.30, we'll, well 2.15, you want to start heading back up again and we'll have an afternoon session starting at 2.30 up there. Uh, and we'll be there through dinner, through till dinner, then we'll come back down for dinner and it goes like that. So a nice little bit of uh, walking in between, going up and down the hill, a little bit of exercise. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I'll explain more logistics when we get up there in the, the nine o'clock session and do a much more fuller meditation and nature orientation when we get up there. Tomorrow morning we'll be sitting in here and we'll just have a quiet sit. Um, 
because there's quite a lot to say about shifting from being indoors to being outdoors. It's, it's quite a different orientation in practice. So, um, yeah, and so when you come, when you're going up for the morning session at nine o'clock, you know, you want to bring whatever you want for the morning, your hat, your sunglasses, sun lotion, layers probably, um, and uh, whatever else, maybe you have your own sitting gear, uh, you're welcome to bring that up, you know, cushions or benches or whatever you brought, deck chairs, you know, hammocks, I don't know what you like to <laughs> practice in. <laughs> um, so, um, when I sit outside, I actually like to stay covered up. Um, even though it's hot, it will be a little challenging tomorrow to stay covered up, but I like to actually, a long sleeve, long pants, protection from the critters mostly. Um, you can choose what you want to do. It's, it's be warm tomorrow. But after tomorrow, we'll go back to a very pleasant, temperate uh, uh, climate here. Um, so, and you know, tomorrow we'll take a little settling in, a little orientation, but oh, you know, as, as you know from sitting retreats, and if, even if you're new to retreats, it, it, it becomes very familiar very quickly. You know, by the afternoon you'll probably already feel in a little bit of a rhythm. Um, so, and also remember to bring water. There will be a, a water a supply up where we are, so you can refill your water bottles, and please remember to be to hydrate. Uh, it's very hot and dry right now. So very low humidity. Um, all right, that's enough logistics. Let's meditate for a few minutes. So taking a moment to settle, to arrive here in this moment, this body. And obviously aware of the soundscapes in the room. But letting awareness settle into your physical experience of sitting, touching the ground, touching the earth. Noticing what's present in the physical experience of your body sitting. And attuning awareness to breath as a support for simply arriving, feeling, sensing the fullness sensations of each inhale, each exhale. 
And of course, noticing the natural tendency of the mind to wander, to think, to check out, and inviting awareness over and over to return, establishing awareness here, sitting, sensing, breathing, hearing. And as we settle in this first night of retreat together, so bring awareness to your heart. Just noticing what's present, allowing, welcoming what's here. Maybe excitement, curiosity, perhaps some anxiety, some trepidation. sense of relaxing, perhaps still feeling the residue of stress and busyness. Making space for whatever's here in the heart, noticing, naming, feeling, allowing, to the mind, just noticing the quality of the mind and what's present, thoughts, plans, worries, stillness.
honestly reconnecting with your intention for being here. Setting an aspiration for your practice. And remembering that we never practice alone. practice in community, in connection with all life. And may our practice and all the goodness that arises here be for the welfare and the happiness of all life. Okay, folks, so uh, welcome. Happy that you're here. Um, Get some good rest. And um, there's a wake-up bell at 6, and we'll be in here at 6.30. If you find that you're very exhausted and you need that little bit of extra sleep, maybe you've traveled far, or you're jet-lagged, or you're just exhausted, and that you think it will be better, you'll serve your retreat better tomorrow just to to sleep in a little bit, to catch up, that's fine. If not, we'll see you in here for the 6.30 meditation, and then we'll have breakfast at 7.15, and as I said, we'll we'll gather up, well, we won't meet, we'll gather up in the meadow at 9. Okay, good night, sleep well. And if you're sharing a room and you haven't yet met your roommate, it, well, I shouldn't say that because well, <laughs> the roommate might be on the other retreat, but sometimes it's helpful just to you know, acknowledge each other in some way, it can just take out some of the weirdness, which it can be a little weird. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.